Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirkanish right here, in the middle. This is the Smirkanish Podcast for Independent Minds. Last night was an absolutely remarkable evening for me. And I I recognize that there are, we hope, exponentially more folks listening to me right now than could possibly have been joining me last night in Los Angeles. But I've spoken so much about the privilege of what last night represented that I, I feel obliged not only to give TC and Dan a recap, but of course, all of you. I guess I would begin this way. I do a lot of public speaking. I've done public speaking for the last several years all across the country. It's been truly a pleasure for me to go on the road and in small theater settings usually to meet so many POTUS listeners. But last night was like nothing I'd ever done before. To speak in a presidential library, much less the most spectacular presidential library, I have visited many of them, But to visit the Ronald Reagan Library, not as a tourist, not as a journalist, which I've done several times in the past, but to be an invited speaker was really was really a thrill for me. The the only downside of the evening is that during the Q&A, I got a little excited and I told a tale out of school that I regret having done, truly regret having shared a tale out of school. Um, But we'll come to that. We'll come to that. So I was at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, which is north of Los Angeles, about an hour's drive north. I'd been invited by John Highbush. He's the executive director. I had met John Highbush during one of the presidential debates that I was covering for CNN. And POTUS listeners might remember that during the course of that visit, the Situation Room had just been delivered to the Reagan Library. And I mean... Literally, the situation room from the White House, I believe on Bush 41's watch, was dismantled, offered to the Bush Library. They couldn't make use of it. The Reagan Library said, yeah, we want it. And they reconstructed it. And John Highbush gave me a back of the house tour before it was even open to the public. That I remember. It was the most amazing setting and best organized event that I've ever done. Kudos to Melissa Giller, who's the chief marketing officer. 
uh, for putting it all together and for the the flawless execution. I mean, truly, like this was a speech that was advanced. It's really like it was the speech. I'm not putting myself in this league. Please don't misunderstand. But the level of preparation that went into it and the TikTok and the line by line was as if it was a presidential or vice presidential speech. And by the way, it was recorded. So I'm looking forward to uh, releasing at least portions of it. Here's an indication of how cool last night was. My green room was a replica Oval Office. And you may have seen in the uh, in, I in thought the that was part of the actual museum. That was your green no, room? That was my green room. And they said, why don't you, why don't you sit at the desk? <laughs> uh, they wanted me to sign book plates. Because they'd oh, run out of my books. Goodness. And I said, uh, yeah, this is great. So I mean, like there there I am. One picture uh, at after the, Reagan, the other. The Reagan replica desk, which was just yeah, extraordinary. It's amazing. Wow. And then before before I spoke, because they'd brought me in a back door and they had people who were assembling uh, in the Air Force One hangar. Of course I'm gonna tell you about that. But I said, Melissa, do I have time to go? pay my respects and she said sure and so we walked this circuitous route so as not to kind of go through the crowd and uh now i'm out on the western edge which is where president and mrs reagan are buried and i think that potus listeners will remember very famously the masterful way that burial for president reagan was was executed by his former advance men and women meaning that the the services began in the east in Washington and then he was laid to rest at precisely the moment that the sun was setting in California and he was buried facing west just like he was uh, inaugurated facing west, which up until that time had not been the norm. Normally you would have been sworn in on the eastern side of the Capitol facing the uh, the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, a funny thing, and TC, you'll get a kick out of this because we, we've had this conversation about my speeches in the past. Uh, if you are able to go for free, there's always a no-show factor because people don't have skin in the game. And I, I, I know I told the story here on POTUS recently of our prior radio association where the call letters were 1210. And at a certain point when I was doing book club events, the fee would be $12.10, not enough money to set anybody back, but enough money to say, yeah, I guess I will go because after all, you know, I paid 25 bucks for, for two tickets. So there were 500 people who'd registered for last night. And Melissa said to me when I was in the green room, she said to me, you know, I, I told you we normally get, you know, like a 50 percent knockoff of people who don't show up. I said, yeah, I, that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be here. She said, but we keep setting up more chairs because we, we set the room for three and then we went to 350 and then we went to Come four. On. Wow. And now we've, ta- now we've tapped out. So I have these to say, Michael, people. Yeah. Yep. So many times when we've gone out on the road, you've said, my listeners, they're early, they behave, and they show up. And and, and that must be the night. way it is. Oh, and, that's and they so did great. Last night. Pa- pardon me while I drink some carrot juice. I'm in California. Oh, Boy, you have, oh, gone, you have gone California. My goodness. <laughs> so healthy? Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. And, and, and of course... The speech is called for at 6 o'clock, so at 6 o'clock, they are ready to roll. There's a voice of God 
introduction into the room, and then I walk in with John Highbush. This is the first time that I've seen the room. They have, I am right underneath the suspended Air Force One. My back is to a glass wall looking into the mountains of Southern California, and there is a presidential podium set up with American flags, and every seat is packed. I walk down the aisle. They put me in the front row. I had invited my friend of 30 years, Maureen Faulkner, the widow of police officer Danny Faulkner. So I'm seated next to Maureen, and I'm seated next to Paul. Please, please look at the photographs that are in my social media. It, it, and of course, they had a professional photographer taking them. I, I've never seen images like that. And somehow they were able to capture the plane, the setting, half the audience and me on the stage. It is unbelievable. Just remarkable. Yeah, that picture, Michael, is one of the most remarkable pictures I've ever seen. And paired with the close up of you at the podium with the flags behind you is kind of amazing. So the two pictures together, the one from way far back that shows the whole scene, and then the one at you at the presidential podium, I don't think it gets better than that, that pairing. It was a very, very powerful image. And it must have been a very, very special moment for you. Because just looking at the photograph was, was powerful. It was a bit overwhelming. It was a bit overwhelming for me. It really was. I, you know, to uh, to to walk up, I was a little bit nervous. I I think that my presentation was probably about an eight. I wanted it to be a ten, um, and I attribute that to to some butterflies. The speech that I delivered was titled "It's Time to Change the Channel." The theory, the thesis of the speech wouldn't be a surprise to any POTUS listener. I explained the changes that I've personally witnessed. Over the 30 years that I've been behind a microphone, the same three decades in which Washington has been driven into a ditch of polarization. And I try and establish a causal connection between the two through personal vignettes and data and um, anecdotal information. I think that the speech went well. Then we did a Q&A. And here's the issue where I got myself into a little bit of trouble. So in the audience was a friend of mine last night named David Friendly. David Friendly is a, uh, a big mahaf in Hollywood, responsible as a producer for Little Miss Sunshine, and for which he was nominated for an Academy Award, and the Big Mama franchise. I think there were three of those. So I first, I, I, David had a question after I answered everybody else's question. Now, uh, David raises his hand that I said, David, may I embarrass you? He said, I guess. And I, I asked the audience, which, which are you more a fan of? Because I'm, I'm more a fan of the Big Mama series than I am of Little Miss Sunshine. But such is his vast body of work. And then he poses the following question. He said, what is the most difficult question you get asked in a setting like this. And I said, the most difficult question that I get asked in a setting like this is, who was your favorite guest? And the reason that it's a difficult question for me to answer is, I, I, I know what I initially always say. I initially always say, I have interviewed presidents and leaders of government and media and entertainment and sports, and it's none of those. It's none of those. The guests that I most enjoy are, you know, the, 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 the random citizen who suddenly gets 15 minutes of fame or somebody who can tell a very good Larry David-ish story. I like stories about which we can all associate. associate. 
And I said, the reason this is a difficult question for me is I should have a better answer at the top of my lips as an example of what I'm talking about. And I said, actually, something uh, is top of mind for me that I will be doing on the radio very soon. And that is the subject of what do you want grandchildren to call you? I may have said a little more than that in Los Angeles, but I said that will be a great radio segment. So now comes the book signing. Um, They had this extremely well organized and I was working as quickly as I possibly could because there was a very, very long line of people who they were they were buying uh, Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right, American Life in Columns, which is my latest book. I mean, I'm not out pushing the book, but they asked me to do a book signing and I said that I would oblige. And, you know, in the book signing, I'm trying to be respectful and pay attention to the people who are greeting me because they they have something that they want to say to me. Usually, especially if you're standing in line for as much as an hour, you're thinking in your head, what are you going to say when you finally get up to that person? I know I've been on the the reverse end of that and I'm trying to pay attention to them and be respectful. But also, I don't want to screw up signing the book because I do that often. And and all of a sudden, like my my spelling is challenged. I, I wrote in someone's book, it's you know, it's a privilege to be here. And then I wasn't sure if there was a D in privilege. And it's just like the stuff that goes through your head is unbelievable. But what I thought you would all find interesting are the comments that people were making to me, some of them, as best I can reconstruct, when they come through the signing line. Again, these were POTUS listeners. So a number of people were celebrating birthdays or had birthdays that were very close in time to the event and they wanted me to inscribe the book in a, in a birthday manner. I never mentioned in the speech kicking myself for this, but many people in the signing line complimented the newsletter, love the newsletter, and said, you know, this newsletter is everything, this is like your effort to try and level the playing surface, and every morning, especially here in Los Angeles, because of the time difference, it is the start to my day. You know, I wake up and I hit that phone and and there are the headlines, even if I don't read the stories. I loved hearing that. You'll remember yesterday's program, a guy called and he said, hang on, I'm going through a state border. I think he was at the Arizona-California border. Don, I met Don. Don was there last night. I have to say there were a number of people who were disappointed that TC has been removed from the travel squad. Wait, uh, wait, I wait. Have I been I have I it. been removed or am I just not yet back on? There's a big difference. Where are we exactly? I don't know what your status is. I, what I is don't the status? know. I, I don't know. I just hey, people I, I are have asking. to I, I have to I have to be honest and say people were asking and people were asking about about Dan giving Dan congratulations. Yes. And asking and asking about Dan's health. Oh awesome. thank you. Very yeah, kind. I mean, Unbelievable. Un- these <laughs> these folks are so damn nice and so genuine and so appreciative. Uh, there were people who had driven from all over, folks who had driven up from San Diego, a guy who had driven from Seattle, someone who had driven in from Vegas, a woman who had come in from Monterey, local towns all representing Seal Beach, Mission Viejo, Encino, which is close by, Silver Lakes, 
There's a guy, and I'm embarrassed to say that I can't remember his name. I've only, you know, I'm on fumes today, who has attended past events of mine before and flies across country to be there and then gives me a Jerry Garcia tie when he arrives. That's Larry Paul. He was there. Larry Paul is his name. Where's he from, TC? Um... I know I he's should, from I should know this too, but I know that's his name, Larry. There was uh, there was a guy that I met who was a memorization specialist, and he wanted to tell me. Do you remember when, for charity, I did the Mad as Hell and Not Going to Take It Anymore live on stage in Philadelphia? Uh, and I was so so nervous about having to go out. And here, here's his memorization technique and uh, tip. Write it out in your own handwriting what it is you're trying to memorize instead of reading a script. And once you've written it out, it'll be cemented to your memory in a way that otherwise would not be the case. I thought that I thought that was great. A lot of people brought their kids. A couple showed up that had been married just three weeks, and this was sort of their honeymoonish celebration. A guy told me that he listens to me in his wood shop every day. People complimented the garden. A guy showed up from San Diego with pictures of his tomatoes from his garden. I mean, this is all what's going on. There were several people who wanted uh, me to give them a stern-like inscription in their book. So, you know, cello or bye for now is the best that I could offer. Um, many, many people said, thank you. Your love for California is obvious. And thank you for paying such attention to our state, which I appreciated. Woman told me she had just met Larry David in uh, Santa Monica at a restaurant the other night. Uh, Walked by his table and said, the food here is pretty, pretty good. Larry turned the other way. (laughs) So she, yeah, so she, I said, look, he's he's heard it before. Um, I'm always curious when people tell me how they found me, how they found us, how they found this radio program. And and more than one last night said it was in a rental car, that they got in a rental car that was tuned to POTUS and hadn't known that POTUS existed, which I thought was really interesting. Several said that they'd seen me on Cuomo and then tuned in. Um, It was mostly a reaffirmation, I think, of the responsibility that comes from having access to the microphone that I left with last night. Uh, People you know, are counting on this program for straight news and information and a couple of laughs along the way and wanted to tell me last night that uh, that they appreciate it when they get that. The second to last person in line, and this I'll stop after this, but the second to last person in line, the last person was the, the memory expert who said, write out what you're trying to memorize. But this is the one that I went home thinking about. So Don comes up. Don is a, a real tall guy. Don McMillan gave me his business card. And he said, we have a lot in common. I'm a Lehigh University graduate. Graduate. I graduated in 1981. I graduated in 84. My brother graduated in, in 80. So Don was somewhere in between. And he said, uh, I want to show you something on my phone. Is that okay? And I said, sure. So he opens up his phone. I, I have his business card. I may ask him for this. I, I regret that I don't already have it. And he shows me an image of, of a senior citizen, an older woman, his mother. And his mother is 
clutching a baby, his child. I'm embarrassed to tell you. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. So he is showing me an image of his mother who is no longer with us. And she is rocking a baby, her grandchild, in her arms. And he says, Mom, and this is a couple of years old. Mom, what advice would you give to your grandchild for the future? And his mother starts to talk about me. And his mother said, well, you know, I remember Michael Smirkanish wrote a letter to one of his sons at the time that they were born for when they turn 21. And he gave advice and he reflected on changes that he had seen. Like, she remembered a column that I had written that's true. Um, I think I did it twice with two of our sons. And I was really, because of my faux pas earlier in the speech, when I was answering David Friendly's question and said too much, I was really taken aback and choked up by it. And then I felt obliged to tell him that I don't stand by that column anymore. Because I'd gone back. Remember, when I published the book, I had just signed his book. The books that I was signing last night were American Life in Columns, Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right, which was a collection of 100 columns from 1,047 that I had authored. And I had gone back and read all of those columns in deciding what columns I would put in the book. And many times I would publish a column in the book because I wanted to set the record straight. The letter column to my son was too embarrassing because my head wasn't in the same place that it was when I wrote that column 25 years ago. And I felt like obliged to say to him, I am so touched that your mother took to heart the idea of trying to give advice to, you know, a son or a daughter or a grandson or a daughter, granddaughter in the future. But I said, in my case, I kind of got it wrong. And then Don, very graciously, this listener from California who's a Lehigh grad said, it's all right. He said, we all, you know, we all change our views and our perspective. And that was it. And then I went home. And then that's, I went home. That's a lot. That's a lot, Michael. Yeah. Wow. I went home thinking about, you know, his mother rocking that baby, bringing me up out of the blue. It's not like she was prompted. It's not like she was prompted. And she's relying on the advice. And I'm thinking, Jew, but that's not my advice. <laughs> it's just, it was just, it was a lot. It was just a lot. So that is my report from Los Angeles. It's, uh, it is time to go home. It's time to go home. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today 
with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hey, it's me, your barista. So you know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Yeah, well, I might be putting myself out of a job by telling you this, but now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. With three new foaming flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato, who could blame you if you stopped coming in altogether? Yeah, it's that foaming delicious. You're welcome. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, now in stores. It's foaming delicious.